Your body's trying to tell you something. It's giving you hints that something isn't right. That's why we talk with expert dietitians to break down these early warning signs so you can get closer to understanding what your body is trying to tell you. Have you had chronic stomach pain for what seems like forever and it just doesn't go away? It's quite possible you might have a gastric ulcer. On today's episode of Wonder Why, Maria Haroon, a registered dietitian, shares with us the story of a woman who ended up in the emergency room after vomiting for three straight days. Upon multiple tests, the doctors discovered pancreatitis and gastric ulcers. Mariah shares with us the potential root causes of these ulcers and how to go about figuring out if an ulcer is causing your chronic stomach pain. Mariah has 15 years of experience in clinical nutrition and food service management in an acute care setting. She has received her master's in human nutrition from California State University, Northridge. Welcome, Mariah. Hi, Julian. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me on the show. We're very interested to talk about today's subject, so we're going to get straight into it. What are the root causes of gastric ulcers? So gastric ulcers are usually caused when the stomach acid disrupts the lining of the stomach. The acid can be overproduced by different factors. Uh, it could be related to um, an H. pylori bacterial infection as well. And the overproduction of acid could also be due to either stress or um, any kind of infection, food sensitivity, food allergy, intolerances, a whole host of factors can cause gastric ulcers. So you mentioned H. pylori. How does that interact with your stomach lining? Is that creating increasing the stomach acid? What, what is it doing to the body that is causing the ulcer? So H. pylori can essentially damage the lining of the stomach and the small intestine. Uh, what it does is it makes it uh, more vulnerable to the stomach acid that is being produced by us. And what it can do is it can create an open sore, an ulcer. Um, so that's how it ends up um, creating the ulcer. So just to confirm, what it sounds like is your, your stomach lining is protecting your stomach against stomach acid. And then H. pylori comes in, disrupts that lining, then gives an opportunity for the stomach acid to pierce through the stomach and create the ulcer. Does that sound right? That is correct. And on top of that, if you have other factors increasing your stomach acid production, this could be like a double whammy. So what the H. pylori in itself will cause inflammation, damage the lining of the stomach, and then acid production, which is constant uh, in our body and also uh, could be increased due to certain factors, will then damage the lining of the stomach further, causing the ulcer. Are there things that make you more susceptible to these types of ulcers? Yes, for sure. I categorize the risk factors for gastric ulcers in two categories. The exogenous factors, which is something that we can control. And then the endogenous factors, which we cannot really control, but perhaps do something about it through diet or medication that can help manage the symptoms. So the exogenous factors can be the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory uh, drugs. So like Advil, Tylenol, all those um, drugs that we take can over time cause the stomach lining to get impaired or susceptible to gastric ulcers, overuse of alcohol because it induces acid production, general excessive acid, acid production in the stomach, stress, smoking, 
and then dietary related factors. So those are the exogenous factors. Um, the endogenous factors actually include um, bile reflux. So the introduction of bile into the stomach instead of the small intestine, uh, increased uh, activity of lysolecithin, which is formed when pancreatic juice mixes with the bile in the duodenum, increased activity of an enzyme called pepsin, and then the H. pylori infection that we talked about. So those are the endogenous factors. You know, as someone's listening to this episode, there, there seems to be all these different ways that someone can get these gastric ulcers. Can you talk about the common ways or a typical journey that someone goes through and ends up developing these types of ulcers? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have a good understanding of the journey because I get a lot of patients who will come and tell me that they have been feeling all these symptoms for a long time and they have tried to get uh, medical help and sometimes uh, or most of the times they are usually sent home with a prescription for a proton uh, pump inhibitor such as Protonix, which is a medication, but that will only either work for a limited period of time or it will decrease their symptoms, but then they will still continue to feel some, somewhat of those symptoms. A lot of my patients will have trouble losing weight when they're having these uh, gastric ulcers. Uh, they will also complain of a uh, feeling of early satiety or nausea or um, in some cases, even vomiting. When I will go more in depth with them, I'll find out that they're either, um, you know, stress is a huge factor in um, anything related to our GI function. So I will find out some stress factors that could be contributing to it. But more than that, um, it, it could also be the fact that they are following a certain diet on a daily basis, which may have exacerbating factors for gastric ulcers. You know, as someone's listening to this episode, it sounds like there's so many ways that someone can end up with an ulcer. Can you talk to us about the typical or some of the common ways someone ends up with an ulcer like this? Yeah, absolutely. So the first and the most common way to get stomach ulcer or gastric ulcers is through the H. pylori infection. H. pylori, as we mentioned, is a bacteria that inflames the stomach lining, causes the shedding of the stomach lining. And you can get it through um, traveling outside the country, um, eating spoiled food or food that's not made following food safety guidelines. Um, for example, eating street foods outside in, in a different country, eating unpasteurized food, raw foods, not cleaned properly or drinking water from um, non-potable sources or ground sources. Another common factor or risk factor for gastric ulcers is eating foods that trigger increased acid production. So those foods usually are alcohol, caffeine, spicy foods, and that could include mild spices as well as very potent spices and then soda or carbonated beverages. And I would say the third common factor is um, stress. You had mentioned to me before that you actually had a patient 
who ended up in the ER from these ulcers. Can you talk to us a little bit about that story, how it developed for her, uh, where it started, and then the journey to healing that ulcer? Yeah, absolutely. So my patient um, is a female, and she had several years of these symptoms of abdominal pain, cramping, um, she was experiencing bloating. She was experiencing early satiety, lack of appetite. She kind of brushed it off for many, many years, not really attributing it to anything, not taking care of it, really, until she had a severe and acute case of pancreatitis, uh, where she was, um, she had nausea and vomiting for three days. She wasn't able to eat or drink anything for those three days. So she ended up in the ER. They ended up doing um, an EGD for her, which revealed that she definitely had pancreatitis, but she also had gastric ulcers. After they took care of pancreatitis through antibiotics and um, giving her bowel rest, they basically let her go. But she reached out to me because she could understand that all these years of symptoms could be related to her gastric ulcers. And that's how I um, started working with her. We started with me first trying to find out if she uh, was tested for um, presence of H. pylori bacteria. When I reviewed her medical records, I found that she was, in fact, uh, which would be, I guess, as I mentioned, the most common cause of gastric ulcer. So once I was sure that she did not have H. pylori infection, I moved to the dietary factors that could be contributing to the gastric ulcers. So we did a food recall and we realized that she may be eating certain things that could be, uh, that she could be sensitive to, possibly allergic to, maybe intolerant to. We don't know yet because we haven't done any kind of testing on that part. And the testing, um, just to let you know, for all these things is on the like more expensive side, whether it's the breath test or the gluten sensitivity test. So what I wanted to do is first go and, and identify certain foods or problematic foods that are causing those symptoms for her. And we did end up finding out that there were certain foods for sure that were causing um, the symptoms. And they, believe it or not, were a combination of processed foods as well as regular whole foods. So, for example, she was getting the symptoms when she ate pizza, but she was also getting symptoms when she was eating apples. She was getting symptoms when she was eating chocolate, which kind of relates to the caffeine uh, part of the acid-producing foods. But she was also getting symptoms when she was eating string beans. Um, she was uh, also getting symptoms when she was drinking black tea and also with almond milk. So this is like a very, I would say, weird combination of foods to be having symptoms with. Because it's neither here nor there. It's a combination of foods that I can say, oh, you know, pizza probably prepared outside the house may have ingredients that are, you know, um, disturbing to the, the gut and the intestinal lining, um, causing some sort of inflammation. 
yes, chocolate, sure, uh, because it has caffeine, but apples and string beans. Wow. Okay. So then I'm thinking she could be possibly allergic to or sensitive to apples and string beans. So we started with an elimination diet where we restricted the common, uh, let's say, the factors that could cause um, or exacerbate her gastric ulcers. And we restricted gluten completely. We restricted lactose completely. And one other thing I asked her to do is uh, to not eat anything store-bought. So I could eliminate all the preservatives and chemicals that go into their production. We also restricted all the problem foods, which were the, the apples, string beans, black tea, um, chocolate, almond milk. But also uh, I started her with basically just potatoes. <laughs> uh, she was able to tolerate um, potatoes. So we started with potatoes actually for during lunch and dinner, but for breakfast, she was also allowed to have um, some eggs because she was t tolerating them in the past. Then we continued on to recording symptoms and adding foods one by one until um, we had reached, we're actually still working with her, but uh, we basically did a slow and gradual introduction of foods. And so far, she has managed to get rid of a lot of her symptoms. That's incredible to hear such a story that had so many components to it. It begs this question of where, where do you begin? Someone's listening to this episode. Uh, they might think that ulcers might be some of their problems. Where do you begin with this? Do you go straight to testing? Do you reach a GI doc? Do you, do you go to your primary? Do you go straight to a dietitian? How do you begin to explore all this? What do you recommend? So Julian, one thing that I would like to stress on is Never take any of your symptoms as, oh, just by the by. Oh, I just had some abdominal pain. Oh, I just, my stomach's hurting. It was hurting this morning, but I'm fine now. When you have repeated sort of symptoms that are, you know, in a certain time of day or after eating something or when you're in a situation such as a stressful one, to keep assessing your symptoms. That's the first uh, step, I would say, is being aware, um, not like brushing it off as something that just happened. Because nothing is coincidental here where our stomach wouldn't just hurt. We wouldn't just bloat. We wouldn't just have diarrhea, especially diarrhea. You know, it is definitely a symptom of something that's going on. Once you are assessing your symptoms and you have an idea of whether your symptoms are acute or chronic? Did they start um, just recently? Have they been there for a while? What you, You'll be able to, people can, you know, we're smart as humans. We can um, jot down the points and connect the dots and figure out, okay, this started two years ago and this is where it started. And now I continue to have these symptoms. Then I would say if they're acute, which means the onset is pretty recent, to always start with your primary MD. Go to your doctor, start there, tell them about their symptoms, and then let them direct you to either a GI or a dietitian or maybe, you know, um, whatever options they provide to like take those seriously and, and follow. The other side of it is the chronic symptoms. So with chronic symptoms, I say, 
keep a diary of your symptoms and record what are the factors that are causing those symptoms. I ate uh, a bowl of uh, musili this morning. After that, I uh, got ready for work. And on my way to work, I was feeling this urgency to use the bathroom. Okay, so there, are, there could be two things there, traffic, stress, or musili. So kind of start writing everything down and you will definitely be able to connect the dots. The second step then would be to yourself start identifying problematic foods. And then here you can uh, reach out and get the help of a registered dietitian who can help you identify problematic foods and enable you to restrict and then gradually reintroduce foods to help you have a balanced diet, which is very, very important for all, also for gastric lining repair. So um, restriction usually should not be done by yourself. Uh, you should reach out to a professional, a registered dietitian, preferably at that point. And then, um, you know, maybe she, the dietitian can um, uh, guide you or you can figure out what anti-inflammatory foods that uh, are there that you can take that could increase the gut lining uh, repair and, and prevent recurrence of gastric ulcers. Another thing you can do is find ways to manage your stress, get some, you know, ideas um, from a, a psychiatric professional, psychological um, interventions or whatever you need to do to manage your stress. So those will be areas to where you will begin your journey to healing. Now, navigating insurance, you mentioned these tests being expensive. How do you, do you have any suggestions? What do you tell your primary doctor? How do you get a referral to a dietitian? Can you go straight to a dietitian? How do you navigate like this whole world of insurance and cash patients? Yeah, that is actually, I would say, the harder part <laughs> to navigate just because there is so much red tape and so much involved in getting yourself a referral to any professional. I would say that assess what are your resources. I mean, if you have HMO uh, insurance, which is usually referral-based, you are most probably going to have to see your primary physician who you can go with and tell them that you have like irritable bowel type symptoms, diarrhea, bloating, abdominal cramps. They may have to do certain testing before they can rule out gastric infection or any kind of GI issues uh, and then possibly refer you to a registered dietitian, which is in network for you. So that's the HMO thing that I know about. For the PPO insurance, usually people are able to look uh, for dietitians within their network. They can call their insurance and ask for that. They can um, look it up themselves online and make an appointment with dietitians and start seeing them. There is always this um, thing about copay. The dietitian will usually uh, get back to them, let them know what the copay would be, or if there isn't any. And then private pay patients, for them, uh, what can I say? Like start anywhere, they're going to have to pay anyways, whether they're seeing a doctor or a dietitian. But definitely try to, in order to eliminate the costs for testing and for seeing a professional such as a registered dietitian, 
I would say always start with your primary MD. Mariah, thank you so much for being on the show. Your information was so informative. I've learned so much about gastric ulcers. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you, Julian. It was a pleasure. We hope to have you back soon. I would love to. Thank you for tuning into the Wonder Why podcast. If today's episode resonated with you or reminded you of someone struggling with similar symptoms, please share it with them. It might just be the life-changing moment they need. This show is brought to you by Dietitians for a Healthy America, a nonprofit dedicated to advocating for dietitians and promoting nutritional therapy to enhance health and prevent diseases for all Americans. For more information, visit our website, www.dietitianshealthieramerica.org. Until next time, stay curious and empowered in your health journey.